Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new format, in a way, of the daily objective. So, same ideas, same exciting people, but new platform from today. We will be broadcasting, as we said, on YouTube. So, my co-host today, Josh and Mark, and the topic today is this last NBA season that finished yesterday with the uh, LA Lakers winning the championship. So the format today is going to be slightly different. I'm going to do a long introduction and then our co-host will jump in. So this year has been the first year that I haven't watched a single NBA basketball game. And for me, this is very special because basketball is in a way my life. Uh, since 1988, it's been one of my biggest passions. I've been following the NBA playoffs since at least 1993 with the, the third championship of the Chicago Bulls. But this year, I did not subscribe to the NBA, to the official channel. I did not follow my usual podcast, post-game analysis, videos on tactics. I felt completely alienated. And this was before... Uh, the recent events in the NBA. So let's set some context here. And also, I wasn't the only one. So this year's ratings in the NBA were the lowest in history. So the finals averaged something like 6.7 million viewers. This is way below last year, 48% below, below last year. And last year, one of the two teams in the finals was the Toronto Raptors. So Canadian audience is not added so the bar was anyway very, very low. Put into perspective, the 1998 Chicago Bulls versus Utah Jazz finals, the ones with Jordan's famous last shot, the average uh, in terms of viewers was 29 million. So we've dropped from 29 million to 6.7 million. So what happened? Is everyone suddenly a racist and because of the NBA stance with Black Lives Matter said that I don't want to watch the NBA? So is it that the main viewership are white supremacists and that's why they gave up on the NBA? Obviously, this is not the case. So just to remind people, so after the, after the season was brought what, in what seemed to be an early end around March, it resumed on the so-called bubble where the teams would gather in one place for the last games of the season and the playoffs. And when since the reopening of the season coincided with the BLM protests, we saw things such as on the court a, a, a slogan saying Black Lives Matter and the players were allowed to have not only their name but also a, a message. And most of the messages were Black Lives Matter or equality or things like that. And as is to be, as was to be expected, and as it happened in other sports, during the national anthem, we had the kneeling and this uh, gesture with the, with the closed fist. But not only this, uh, we saw after the first, I think, round of the playoffs in the East, in the game between Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic, the Milwaukee Bucks walked out of the courts as a protest to the shooting of Jacob Blake. To the viewers who don't remember, it's the case of this man who was shot at the back from police officers when he tried to read something from his car. Now, 
Again, we don't know exactly what happened there, but apparently it was clear to the players that this was another incident of a black person being treated harshly by the police. What was very interesting is that other teams followed this, shall we say, strike or walkout, and they agreed to return under one condition. And this condition was that the NBA and the owners would commit that the venues would operate as electoral centers in the as polling places in the following elections and that MBA would promote quote social justice and civic engagement now my prediction is that this won't involve much engagement for example in defense of the first or the second amendment and what is the definition of social justice i leave this to your imagination now you could say well that's their right it's uh, you know Maybe, maybe there's a very good background there that indeed they try to address racial injustice. Therefore, if someone doesn't want to watch NBA for this, there's something wrong with them. Here's some more context, though. We need to go back to October and see what happened there because this season has been, that's why we called it in the, in the title, this season has been weird, so to speak, from the beginning till the end. So on the 4th of October... Daryl Morey, who is the, the general manager of Houston Rockets and one of the biggest geniuses of the game, he introduced advanced statistics and he completely changed the way the game is played. But anyway, he tweeted an image that said, quote, in support for the protest in Hong Kong, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Now, knowing what we know now about the political commitment of the NBA, of the league, and of the stars, we'd expect that they'll all be excited, right? Wrong. So what happened is China watched, uh, was not happy at all with this. So we had a lot of sponsors pulling out and the Chinese authorities were not happy. And to understand what the Chinese market means for the NBA, according to CNBC, during the 2017-18 season, there were 640 million people in China who engaged in one way or another with at least one game or so or something related to the NBA. So it's a huge market. So what was the reaction to that by the NBA? An official says that Daryl Morris tweets, quote, have deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable. So then... The line was that, look, we are not a political organization. We, we, who knows what happens in China? China is far away. Let's, let's keep away from this. And what about LeBron? What about this leader of political resistance and this very progressive person? You'd, accept, you'd, you'd accept that such a fighter for social justice would be very sensitive about what's happening in China. Here's LeBron's comments. Yes, we all, the, all have freedom of speech. But at times, there are ramifications for the negative that can happen when you're not thinking about others and you're only thinking about yourself. So giving your solidarity to China is you're only thinking about yourself, according to LeBron. And 
what was their reaction to the Chinese central TV, which shows the NBA games? Again, agreeing with many progressives in the West, because we hear this all the time. They said, any speech challenging a country's national sovereignty and social stability is not within the scope of freedom of speech. And again, most academics and commentators in the West would, commentators in the West would agree that yes, this is the case because we hear this all the time. So, and we had many of these uh, incidents where people kept distance from Daryl Worley because idea, the idea was, look, we're not a political organization. And how about someone else, for example? How about Steve Kerr, who again has been a very progressive and very vocal about Trump? His comment on Daryl Morris' tweet was, it's a really bizarre international story, and a lot of us don't know what to make of it. So it's something I'm reading about, just like everybody is, but I'm not going to comment further than that. So who knows what happened in China, whereas apparently it was very clear what happened in the case in, with the tragedy with Jacob Blake, although the, all we had was the video. Now, to his credit, Kerr, Steve Kerr later actually said, look, I should have been more vocal in support of, uh, of Daryl Morey. So within one season, we've had these two extremes, or however you want to call it in the NBA. In October, the line was, we're not a political organization. Who knows what's happening in China? In August, we had vocal support for BLM, uh, starts of the NBA coming out with the games with the slogan vote. Of course, when they say vote, they mean vote for Biden. We understand that. And they claim that NBA should become uh, committed to social justice and civic engagement. So obviously, my boycott to the NBA had not much to do with the BLM protest. It started in October, but... Uh, uh, Anyway, it's, it was, I really missed basketball, but uh, this climate was not, not good for me. Anyway, gentlemen, that was the longest introduction ever to a show. So your comments and your thoughts, you can take everything you want. Basketball and so-called walk culture or basketball and hypocrisy, or what are we to make of all this? Who, who wants to go first, Josh? Do you want to go first? Well, I've just got uh, just a little bit more context, Nikos. Can you just um, clarify? How are they justifying the low viewing figures? So there are, very, there are various excuses. They say, oh, usually the playoffs happen in June, in May and June. Now they happen in October. Other people say it's low because people are watching the elections, which is a joke. Or it's low because they're watching other sports, which also doesn't make sense because the others in other sports are also have lower viewings. So I would expect, to be honest, that since this was one of the first big sports events after the lockdown, I would expect more viewers. So to be honest, I'm not really convinced that this has anything to do with anything rather than the fact that a lot of people feel alienated and they, want, they don't want their favorite sport to be politicized in a way that is not even principled, it doesn't even make much sense. Because again, there's this lack of congruence and there's this almost one-sided one -sided, uh, reading that the US society is racist and there's not much to celebrate. I, I mean, I see, I see a similar motivation in both their 
in both their drive to pretend to be apolitical and in their embracing of social justice culture, both of these are impacting them, right? And and so they're going they're they're going through the path of least resistance uh, in a, in a, and with with uh, with the social justice culture, they get a chance to, I think, exercise some of their actual demons. Uh, I think, I can't help but think, uh, you know, the virtue signaling that they're doing, uh, given the demographics of the game, um, is somewhat related to unearned guilt. What do you think about that, Josh? I mean, when the average salary of an NBA player is $7.7 million, um, I can't help but think that their support of uh, of a, a clearly ideological and unjust organization is more about uh, expunging the guilt of being a part of what one could consider a privileged group of human beings, privileged biologically for their athleticism and endowments and, and privileged for their, uh, the status that they achieve um, through the hard work of being elite athletes. But uh, I think there's something in them that doesn't ex accept that success and wants to expunge that guilt through this, uh, this posturing. What do you think? Well, I think you've completely missed the whole point about intersectionality, Mark, that <laughs> you set up the intersectionality points. I, I can't funny. believe you're putting money above other forms of privilege. <laughs> and, you know, the, score, the scoring game is, is all about... Uh, getting that right and if you're not getting that right you you can't possibly understand either remember yeah. so it's impossible for you me or nikos to actually understand what's going on there so we can't even have an opinion and we must always remember that and this is that, the, the, the that's what that's what i see going on that that would be the, the 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 counter argument back on that and there's nothing you can say to that sorry nikos but the funny thing is that some of these players for example lebron james are exemplary capitalists. So their endeavors and the money they earn outside of basketball are even bigger than what they earn from the game. So I, I understand the guilt element. I understand the political posturing element. And by the way, I'm not convinced that they are necessarily hypocrites. I, I do believe that they believe it. My question is though, that what are the odds that in an organization you have 99% or something like that of the people around it supporting one view. So could it be that there's some, I understand that what? if a player, for example, wouldn't want to kneel or something like that, it would be very difficult. But I'm wondering also, what does this indicate about the culture that the NBA in this case is okay to say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to lose a lot of people. Of course, they think that these people are white supremacists. They cannot even picture that these people could be people who don't consider American society racist and do not, although they do believe that Black Lives Matter, they do not endorse the movement Black Lives Matter. So the mere fact that they have such a blank spot for this is genuinely worrying me. Because again, what? we see this in academia. Mark will know more. We see this in Hollywood. So it's like, why do we have this monoculture in a way? Well, I... Well, Go, go, go for it, Mark. No, go for it. Well, no, I was just going to say, um, don't underestimate the power of uh, social censure and 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 the power of uh, wanting to be accepted by uh, by society. And right now, the loudest voices are acting as if they represent e everyone, and they have real power. 
I mean, these, these people have acquired a real power to shut, to cancel you if you don't come out on the right side. And I think people feel an enormous amount of peer pressure from, from that. And, and that would include NBA players. I mean, uh, e even though the numbers show the opposite, I, I think they're coming, they're coming out on the side of the most vocally virtuous and, and that sort of, uh, I think makes them feel like they're right. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Josh? Well, I was, yeah, I think you've got an element of that. I also think you have a division of labor in the society, in society in general and um, with academia. So you've got players who are training all day, every day, all they're thinking about is basketball or having sex, probably one of the two. They're totally focused in one area and they, they, they defer to opinions outside of their bubble. And, you know, you saw this happening in the UK with the footballers. And then they all started backtracking when it started coming out what Black Lives Matter actually meant and what their, you know, their um, program of action, etc., was. And they, they all started suddenly backtracking and started saying, oh, well, we didn't actually mean that. We meant that. We meant that Black Lives Matter in this context, but not actually signing up to the Marxist agenda of Black Lives Matter, the, move, the, you know, the official movement. And that happened a bit in the UK. Um, and I wonder whether something similar may or may not happen in, in the States. But that's definitely, you know, a lot of the players, a lot of the soccer players were saying, yeah, you know, a lot of my friends are black or I'm black or whatever it is. And of course, black lives matter. And they've had it really hard in the past. And you can't deny that. And, you know, I believe in equality. And that's, you know, and that's as sort of far as it got. And then when, when their manifesto was sort of being examined by the press, you know, quite late on in the game, you got this real rowing back and like, oh, well, actually, we didn't really mean that we're anti-capitalists, want to give all our money away. Yeah, all these sorts of things that, you know, they just like the virtue signaling side. And I, and I think to be fair to them, you know, why should professional sportsmen be thinking about these matters? Really? And it's a, it's a bit like when I remember Tal from, you know, the, the head, the CEO of the Ayn Rand Institute talking about businessmen shouldn't, you know, they don't need to get into the nitty gritty of philosophy. They need to be getting into the nitty gritty of, of business and we and those who are philosophers need to be getting into the nitty-gritty of of philosophy and that's really i i don't like saying this but that's how it should work but as we all know that's not how it is working now but i don't so, think that yeah go for it so why make the statement i mean so why are these why are they coming out the way they do if it's not for some kind of social acceptance to be on I the think, right I think side of things i think it's exactly for that reason i don't think there's a huge amount of thought going into it but hey yeah. i want to be you know the guilt hey i'm doing really well i want to be seen as a good person mm -hmm. and um yeah this this seems to be what the right thing to do is and how can you be seen as a good person when on on months beforehand you you uh you you basically sided with a totalitarian regime and said all right i'll be apolitical <laughs> well I, I i you know i think most players probably didn't even notice that going on well the, the most the right. most the most uh characteristic scene happened in a preseason game of Houston Rockets. So Harden and Westbrook were on a press conference and a journalist asked a question and someone, I think it was like a PR person or something, they didn't let them answer. No politics here, no political questions here. That was, that was really, that was really embarrassing. 
Anyway, I have two more questions for both of you. Because we're running out of time, I'm going to throw both of them and you pick which one you want to answer. So the one is, to be honest, the one is mostly to Josh with his psychologist hat. So is there any way for someone like me who is put off by all this hypocrisy and all this to tell, look, I'm going to omit all that. I'm going to evade all that and just watch the game. Because again, this year I didn't, I couldn't do it. And the second question is, when does a boycott become a sacrifice? So to be honest, I didn't really miss, in a way, the NBA playoffs this year. All the NBA's because I was so put off that although I had this one, you know, at least twice, I was just about to subscribe to my usual page where I subscribe and watch the games, but they said I'm not going to do it. But what does a, when does a boycott become a sacrifice? And an example would be, you obviously remember the Gillette ad of the Razor company ad a couple of years ago on quote toxic masculinity. And a lot of people then said, I'm not buying a Gillette again. But then because I know some of these people, then they would tell me, do you know any good razors? Because most of the razors I get that are not Gillette are crap, but I still cannot go back to Gillette. So obviously we don't believe in self-martyrdom and self-sacrifice. So what's the border, let's say the limit between a principal stance and the sacrifice? I mean, and to me, it's determined by your hierarchy of values. So if, if that toxic masculinity message it means so much to you because you see it as being toxic in itself and as having these sort of indeterminate re reverberations down the road in society. And you're willing to say, I hate that message. I think it's killing us. I will shave with a worse uh, razor just because uh, that message is, uh, the, the annihilation of that message is more important to me. So how, wherever it stands on your, on your hierarchy of values, uh, you know, is, is what determines whether it's a sacrifice or not. Or you can just give a beard and not worry about it. <laughs> there you go. I, I was going to say exactly the same thing. It comes down to your hierarchy of values. But I do think there are certain, we, we also do often place limits as well. So, for, you know, you look, I was listening to the Q&A of uh, that Ayn Rand participated in with, with Lena Peikoff. And you could tell that politically the abortion line was her absolute. She wouldn't cross that line. And, you, and I think you have to, uh, really take those sort of things quite seriously and really and really go into it and quite that yeah what what is my line here as well what what where am I willing to go to and not and not cross over and I think this it's it's hard and that's why you know ethics is uh, something we can't we can't just defer to everyone else because you have to be you have to have your values of hierarchy very much driving everything and it's your values of hierarchy your value hierarchy not other people's i do a lot of value hierarchy work with groups um and treatment and it always blows people away you know and and the the, the really sad question i get back of is but my 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 upbringing or my culture won't allow me to to live with these values or mm. my values hierarchy but to you know to go back to what you're asking because you've got to weigh that up yourself and i think only you can ultimately decide that line yeah, that's 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 probably there, true. Are there are there rights violations going on? Are there you know what is the, what is your line there? Well, um, with the with the with the China thing, that was the line for me because it was yeah. so. Oh, it's it's and I didn't really buy the who knows what's happening there. We know what's happening there. Yeah, maybe we don't know all the details. 
Is the Uyghur concentration camps that big or that big? Or, but for example, we know that there is no freedom of speech. We know that something is not okay with what's happening in, in, in Hong Kong. And again, I'm willing to understand the nuance. But when I see that there is no nuance, and for example, we say, oh, this was a racist killing, which it might very well have been, right? But we don't know it yet. So I would want some consistency there. Anyway, I, I could be discussing basketball for ages. Uh, I believe that basketball is the most objective sport because it's one of the few, not one of the few, but compared to football, it's definitely the sport that the best, the most virtue, so to speak, 99 out of 100 times wins. So anyway, today's was a weird show. Again, huge introduction and my co-host didn't speak that much, but we're going to get more of Josh and more of Mark in the future. We've gone way in. So Josh and Mark, thank you very much.